Hi friends! Welcome to the Reading Minds Book Club, where I talk about books with my besties. This month, November 2018, we delve into Norse mythology. Enjoy our conversation on the prose Ada. Ada by Snorri Sturluson, and it is an anthology of Norse mythology, or like Scandinavian mythology, because I guess it does apply to all of the Scandinavian countries. Well, yes, but it originated in Norway, I guess. Yeah, but the Scandinavian countries, so Norway, Sweden, and Denmark, they're all the same people group, so. Yep. Um. So before we get into the book, let's talk about our drinks, which, I don't know, they're not the greatest My extremely well-planned out and thought through (laughs) drink. Yeah, okay, you can go first, Susie, since yours is probably the, like, stretchiest of all of our drinks. It is, it is. Um, Out of sheer ill-planning and laziness, (laughs) I have passion tea. Uh, but it works because the gods are passionate. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> wow. That was amazing. Um, I also was lazy and decided to make... I have I have a new Nespresso machine. It's pretty amazing. Love it. I recommend. But I used a pod. That's a Parisian macaroon like themed pod. And I thought that that should count for this book club because um, the Vikings, aka the Norwegians who made up the Norse mythology, um, they invaded France. Um, and thought that they were doing it in accordance to the gods, a.k.a. Odin's will. And so, yeah, France, macaroon. Wait. You see the connection. Is it Persian macaroon or is it Parisian? Parisian. Oh, okay. Parisian. I heard Persian. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know too. about I that. Like, <laughs> well, check your you. <laughs> <laughs> Parisian macaroon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mine is ginger tea. And I've decided that that fits our book because ginger kind of looks like a tree. And there's a tree called Yggdrasil. I think that's how you say it. And basically yep. man was created from that tree. So it Yggdrasil. works. It works. So it those are our drinks. Mine's the best, clearly. As you can tell, also, we worked very hard on them. Throughout this, I know a lot of pronunciations so I'm pretty excited for this mm-hmm. because of reading previous books and they like provided the pronunciations or whatever because they're pretty difficult names yeah. to say. Lots of so consonants. I think, Shannon, we should just dub your voice in every time we try to say a word and I'll just be <laughs> you saying like, Odin. <laughs> okay, well, that one's not that hard. Hey, I knew that one. Oh, 
Anyway, Annie, tell us more about the historical context of this book. Okay, yeah. So I picked out this book, and I didn't really know a whole lot going into it, but I've done a little bit of research. So I thought before we jumped into everything that I would just provide a little bit of historical context. So as we mentioned, this is the mythology that originated in Norway, but it pertains to all of the Scandinavian countries, which are Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Um, so Sturluson is actually from Iceland, which was settled by, I don't know which of the countries, but it was just skittled, skittled. It was settled skittled. by Scandinavia, the yes, the Vikings. Um, and this was written in the 13th century, and we're not actually too sure of the exact date that it was written but it was written after the spread of Christianity. Um, so Christianity came to Scandinavia in the 12th century, and this was written just like 100 years later, um, which explains kind of why it was written towards the end of the Middle Ages instead of earlier, um, because Christianity, or Christianity just wasn't present there. Um, so what I think is really cool about this book is Snorri Sturluson kind of tries to write about Norse mythology in a way that like Christendom would be accepting of so he provides a lot of like historical context for it which you know is whether that's true or not <laughs> um he does tie it to like Greek history and mythology a little bit because that's definitely way more respected than some of the other pagan um traditions um because Greek is definitely a lot more or it's accepted as a lot more scholarly than others. And I think he does this without like ruining the integrity of it. So he tells the story and then he provides a little, um, like an annotation at the end that kind of talks about why it's okay for Christians to read pagan mythology. <laughs> um, I think also the prologue was really interesting. I don't know if either of you read that, but it kind of tied the gods into like, the biblical creation story a little bit. Um, I thought that yeah, was really interesting. I read it. it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's about all that I have on that. I mean, it is true that you could tell, like, especially, I didn't know. Um, I mean, I did read it, but like, I didn't remember that it was written after the spread of Christianity. So mm -hmm. now that you say that, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, like how it was structured. And you're right. Like there was even a sentence where it was like, he puts in there like, there's been a great deal of learned discussion in regard to the younger Ada. Like he's really trying to be like, no, really, like you can read this. You don't have to like hide yeah. it within the sleeve of another book. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 So I think, I think it's awesome. Um, just what he did with like how he preserved Norse mythology through that mm -hmm. yeah so that is the historical context do you want to do our sentences <laughs> yep yeah. let's do it yeah and this is just I don't know it's just such a different book than anything we've done so far so <laughs> it's been a little bit of a struggle to try to like fit all of our little things into it but yep. mm -hmm. it's been fun I've really enjoyed it yeah um I'll share my sentence first um in a drastically changing world, Snorri Sturluson bridges two cultures by preserving one's mythology while providing an analysis of it that is respected by the other. Oh. Very nice. Very scholarly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Mine is less scholarly. 
<laughs> I would like to read it. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, looking out for his fellow scholars, devout poets, and future readers, us, Snorri Sturluson compiled and explained ancient Norse mythology, poetry, and legends into this extremely well-researched book. If you have ever wondered about the origins of your favorite mythological Marvel characters, this book is for you! <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so mine is the Prose Ada takes us back to the land of giants, dwarfs, and where the Acer and Vanaheim rule the nine worlds. Join with us as we delve into a world long forgotten with Thor, Loki, Odin, and more. Nice. I I love our sentences this time because they're all so different, but they also, like, I feel like they all do a very good job of summing up the book. So, like, I talked more about, like, the context, and then Susie talked about, you know, today's interpretations of... It's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> the, yeah, the Norse mythology. And... Um, Shannon's was definitely more like magical, which it was. So awesome. If you can't tell, I have the least experience in mythological reading. <laughs> I don't. You you don't have I'm no trying. experience just in this brand. No, of I don't have no experience. Yeah. So my theme is the theme that I kind of saw throughout those different kinds of stories. So context so this book is kind of grouped into like a bunch of little stories that there's like two halves to it like one where this guy where like Broggy is telling kind of like everyone um a story about like different things like people are asking questions like this guy's keep asking questions mm -hmm. like oh why does this why is this the way it is etc <coughs> etc et and so he'll just like have an answer for like a story for why it is the way it mm -hmm. is Oh, and then, I have a point about that. Oh, go ahead. I think, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I think that the reason why it is um, structured that like that, like question and answer, is because I think that Snorri Sturluson basically took like the oral tradition mm -hmm. and just like wrote it down. Yeah. And I feel like that that was how it was passed down. So. And then in the second half, it was like yeah. a little bit different in terms of it was more just like the storytelling and then like a definition mm -hmm. of like poetry and how you would define different characters and terms. So um, we come to my theme, and in the context of the book of just looking at the different stories that were told, either in the question form or just as stories themselves, I kind of saw the theme of, like, no one is invincible. Um, and I saw that in, like, many different stories that there is in Norse mythology. For example, there's one about... Um, the son of Frigg and Odin, called his name is Balder, and mm -hmm. his uh, mm -hmm. mother was so concerned about him dying because he had a dream that he was going to die that she exacted promises from every single item in the nine worlds except for one thing that she overlooked because it was really young at the time and hadn't grown very much. Mm -hmm. And Loki found out what that one thing was and he was annoyed because he was like, you know, like, no one should be able to escape death, like, by, by this means. Like, this is kind of ridiculous. And I think Loki, <laughs> like, that comes from a place of jealousy. But um, he got one of Baldur's relatives to throw mistletoe at him. 
and kill him because that was the one thing that Frigg had not managed to exact a promise from. And so, like, that's, like, one instance. And I'm sure you guys have found, like, other instances as well. Um, mm-hmm. I can definitely think of a few, like, with um, Siv's hair, with it, like, being cut off, and it was supposed yeah. to be beautiful and luxurious, and it was like, well, mm-hmm. not even that is invincible. Like, not even she is perfect because now she has, like, essentially, like, fake hair mm-hmm. that she got from the dwarves who made her, you know. So there's just, like, so many instances yeah. here where I see yeah. people... I- aren't perfect or the gods aren't perfect i think another instance is when that one god it's like eden eden like was kidnapped or like stolen and she was the one that had the um yeah like she was the one that had the special sauce that like kept the gods alive and they were all like so concerned because there's that one line where they're like all the gods are like growing gray hair and and they're like we've got to get her back Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yeah so it's another like where like no one is safe like yes they're like you know have their immortal ways you still have to do something to like mm-hmm. keep it um yeah in the book yeah and i think even making their gods um you know able to die i think that says something about the importance of death mm-hmm. in that culture too mm-hmm. which is so interesting because it's like yeah in most mythologies, you think of gods being immortal and just unable to die and being above humans. Mm-hmm. But I felt like in this interpretation of Norse mythology, it was very much so that they started out as humans and just were really powerful and great and mighty and good. And so they became mm-hmm. gods in the people's eyes, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. I'm not sure if it's even like Snorri. Well, yeah. I just meant, like, compared to, like, modern interpretations and, like, versions like that. Yeah, because I don't think it's, like, I think, I think that the modern interpretation is more idealized. You're right, that, like, it's so much harder to kill a god or god can't die. Because this is honestly going back to, like, the roots. It's, like, he was trying to present it in Mm -hmm. an authentic way of, like, this was really the legends, this was really the myths. And I think that, like, the true ones is my understanding are yeah. more related, and yeah, to your, like, the culture of, like, It just makes me die. curious because this is the only one I've read, you know, in this age in terms of, like, oh, this is older, this is probably what it would have been like back then. So, like, if there's any other ones like that, I don't really know what the differences would be, but I know, like, in modern interpretations, like, I've read um, a Rick Riordan series, and it's, like, called, like, Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, and it basically takes so many of these stories from this book and like puts them in a modern context, but something that kind of comes up over and over again is the idea of like gods being immortalized by human memory. So like any Hmm. written version Mm -hmm. or of a tale or oral version like that keeps them alive in humans' minds, keeps them immortal in terms of like, they can't die until Ragnarok essentially, but they will eventually perish. Mm -hmm. So it's like interesting. Mm-hmm. But, hmm. yeah, definitely different than different mythologies in terms of the mortality <coughs> aspect. Yeah. Well, my my theme is more of, like, a broader theme, which is kind of how this ancient mythology relates to, like, other ancient mythologies that you may be familiar with, and, like, even different parts of the world or, mm-hmm. like, different cultures. Um, and kind of how, like, for me, the most ancient thing I'm familiar with, honestly, is, like, the Bible, and how there's lots of things that were like lineages for days. <laughs> Did you guys notice that there was a dwarf named Gandalf 
No, no, no. But I, I saw. I do remember but that now that you say that. And I was called Gimli. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is where Tolkien got his names. <laughs> no, but for real. But, but it's kind of uh, it's like a lot of ancient mythologies that I am vaguely familiar with are not an expert. Do not claim to be. Seem to have many of like the same uh, tenets. So my theme then um, is just we see a lot of interaction with nature. Um, it seems like the Scandinavian countries had a very high view of nature, and there was a lot of interaction with it on a level that, like, we don't, I don't know, that I feel like isn't present in, like, other kinds of mythologies. I'm not entirely sure on that, though. Um, so we see animals almost being elevated to, like, more of a human-like status. Um, I think an example of that, I mean, they're everywhere, but I think... Like Sleipnir and stuff? Yeah, and I think, so when Loki kills the otter... And the otter mm-hmm. ends up being, like, the brother of somebody, and then they all, like, are really mad at Loki. Um, I don't know. It just shows the importance of nature. And also the fact that humans were created from a tree, and, I don't know, there's just nature everywhere. It, it seemed like, yeah, they were more connected, and you're right, like, more, like, able to, like, interchange. Because there's that mm-hmm. one part, too, where that one god, like, disguised himself as a bull. Mm-hmm. And then, like... And the wolves and yeah, the eagles. And then, yeah. Like, their punishment, too, was to, like, forever be, like, a cow. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because having gone to Norway, they make so many references in Norway about, like, the Norwegian mythology. Like, at one point, I saw it, like, when we went there, we saw, like, this video of an overview of the country. Um, and they like reference like come with us as we travel through the Jotun mountains and like you know one of the nine worlds is called Jotunheim so it's like I feel like the Norwegians they looked at their landscape and like found the story through looking at their Mm -hmm. landscape of like deciding oh look at these huge mountains like they're so big they must have been like inhabited and created by like giants or something or like the giants must live here they like found ways of trying to characterize where they lived and like do you deci- yeah do it's you really think, interesting do you think it's because like it's really more centered around nature it's because even to this day like Norwegian landscape is so much like grander <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's in every aspect like there's the fjords and like huge mountains and it, not that like it's grander than other parts of the world because every parts of the world has incredible things but like, even to this day, it seems mythical. Like, you see pictures yeah. of Norway, and it, like, entices, like, explanation. Yeah. Like, how can this be? So I can understand. And I think it's also because in ancient times, like, they're living more closely with nature than, like, we are today. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, too, because I think if, like, you go to Norway, they have one train from the East Coast to the West Coast. That's it. And, I mean, they have trains going north and stuff, but, like, the state, or the state, the country as a whole is really long, Mm -hmm. but it's very, like, not super wide, but wide enough that there's, like, mountains in between and, like, rivers and stuff that, like, is pretty hard to traverse. So I think the topography of the country itself didn't lend itself to be, like, a European, like, France or something where, you know, everyone's kind of clustered together in cities. 
it was more like people were spread out yeah. and they like the little clans and yeah. like whatever and living in the nature and then they would traverse the nature to get stuff raid cities whatever but they <laughs> themselves like weren't super organized in like a city fashion yeah. for a long time it's definitely time. more rugged than we see in a lot of like other western european countries Mm -hmm. So that would definitely make sense. Yeah. But it's, like, really cool to go there and be like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, where the stories came from because (laughs) this is what they saw. And it's so interesting. Like, Annie, you brought up a good point about, like, the nature aspect of their stories. But not only that, but, like, you can kind of see that in their culture um, even further after, you know, like, the Viking times and, like, the mythology times because even when they – Christianity had come to Norway if you go there today and like go and see some of the really old churches they're called stage <coughs> churches there were like these huge wooden structures that like soar up and like they kind of if you look at like their trees like they have these big Norwegian spruces that like kind of like are that typical you know they go like down mm-hmm. um, and out and they like use that as they're designed for their church. Ooh. If you, like, look at the two, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is literally designed from this tree. And you can kind of see, like, even later on, they still use nature as their inspiration, even in architecture. It's it's so that's, cool how ingrained nature is into that's that That's really culture. cool. Wow. Yay, nature. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys said it all. Yeah. So... I have a question for you guys. I was curious what story you liked the best because there's so many little stories mm-hmm. throughout. I think I really did like the story about Balder and his death a lot. Um, I don't know if I can give you a really good reason why. <laughs> it just really stuck with me. Um, I had actually originally heard that story at Disney World. <laughs> um, because they have, like, in Epcot, they have different, like, world pavilions. And there was one for Norway. And they have a little museum in there with some artifacts and some stories mm-hmm. about the mythology. And that was one that they told. That's so cool. So maybe that's why I like it. But Yeah. I, for the pure reasons of that, I'm familiar with the names, honestly. I did like the stories. I kid you not, this sounds very semantic, but, like, about the Marvel characters, because I don't have a lot of, like, especially Norse mythology, like, context, and that was the context that I had in my head, like, as I was reading this, like, Mm -hmm. the whole, like, yeah, Thor and Loki and Odin, all that kind of stuff, and so when they did come Mm -hmm. up, I would literally think, like, oh, like, look, there they are, like, (laughs) they exist, they're here. Um, I know those but people. Marvel did totally. You can tell that, like a lot of modern interpretations in like movies, especially not necessarily books, it seems, or even like comic books, like just take the essence. Mm-hmm. It's like let's take the essence of what it is, but not really follow the details that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like hearing about. Was there one that story. particularly stood out to you? With I'm Thor or Loki think, or something? Yeah. Like the one, like when. I thought it was interesting how Loki immediately was, like, evil. Yeah. And everyone knew it. Like, as in Marvel, he's not, like, evil right away. Yeah. Or people don't know it right I mean, away. I don't know how evil he was, because he was definitely more mischievous. And I think 
Like, since death That's is That's what he's known of, for as being right, mischievous. Right, So I don't know if it's totally fair to say that he's evil, but well, he does some pretty bad like, things. When they introduce him, I think it might be a translation thing, but, like, when they introduce Maybe. him, literally, it's like, Loki, the bad one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Literally, I was like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the least loved of the Acer. And he's not even an Acer. Shocker. Yeah. And because that um, culture seems to be so, like, not nonchalant, but they are so comfortable, I guess, with death, I feel like the bad things that he does maybe don't seem as bad to them as they do to us. I could be totally off base with that, but that might be why he's more mischievous than mm-hmm. totally yeah. evil. But So, um, one of my favorite stories... And I was kind of, like, wondering what you guys thought about the story. But was when Thor, <laughs> idiot, goes to this. Okay, this cracks me up because I feel like, like Susie said earlier, a lot of the Marvel characters are super idealized. So it's, like, fun to see different interpretations of them in these stories. Mm-hmm. And you're like, huh, maybe they're not so, you know, courageous and brawny and whatnot as I thought. Maybe they're just, like, big goofballs. But... Thor in the story where he goes to Gerard's court or not Gerard, sorry um, what's his face the giant sorcerer guy who I can't remember his name at the moment I don't remember technically in the Magnus Chase series his name is like Utgard Loki but I don't actually know if that's his name I know it's oh, like that might Utgard be right. I, think I think that is right well when he goes there and he's like they're like okay like we're challenging you against our giants to challenge. And mm. they're, like, all sorcerers, so secretly they're all making these challenges impossible mm-hmm. by, like, linking them with magic. And, like, for example, one of the challenges, he's supposed to drink this vat of beer, and it's linked to the ocean, so, like, he can't drink it. Like, there's no way impossible. And so then, like, they're like, oh, this is why you have tides, because the war drank so much of this liquid that he caused, like, the ocean levels to drop a little bit. I don't know, just, like, stuff like that I thought was hilarious, like, seeing him try and try to, like, do all these challenges when secretly it was impossible for him to do, and he just, like, didn't realize it. What I really loved about that story is that when they asked him what kind of challenge he would prefer, he immediately said drinking. I know. Like, that was his challenge of choice. Marvel got that right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that just cracked me up. Um, And, okay, I liked it a lot, I think particularly because, um, again, back to the series I've read in modern day times, they had that scene in the, one of the books, oh. but it was like the book characters were doing it instead of Thor, um, and like all had to come up with chal- challenges that they thought they could like beat, and like one was like a bowling contest, and it was just like hilarious, and the same thing, like it was like linked to like these mountain ranges super far away, and they had to like, I don't know. Just, like, stuff like that. It just made me laugh, and you can kind of see how even the gods, like, are a little silly occasionally, and they're not always the brightest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they definitely the have gods, a lot of the... human attributes. Oh, yeah. A lot sure. of Which reminded stories. me of, like, the Greek gods, too, a little bit. <coughs> yeah. Because they're known a for A lot of these stories, human. especially, like, the sillier ones... Kind of, like, when I was reading them, I was sort of envisioning, like, these people, like, in Norway, uh, just, like, sitting around a fire and trying to, like, one-up each other, Mm -hmm. honestly. Like, with this, like, mythology 
um, where like they would see a mountain or it would rain or they would hear the tides. They'd be like, oh, this is why it is. Like not saying like trying to discredit them. I could just see that yeah. happening because it kind of reminded me of what like we do today in this culture where it's like, if you are in a huge thunderstorm, like my parents would always be like, oh, God is bowling. Like, you don't know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like, not that that's true, yeah. but just and like. Angels were dropping potatoes. Yeah, or yeah. it's like. Um, <laughs> Having a oh, dance party. God is blowing his, blow drying his hair in the shower, so it's lightning. Like, ridiculous things. <laughs> and so it like reminded me of like this. Yeah, where yeah you those have are like events. our versions of folk tales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> This makes me laugh. That is hilarious. Um, So my question is, um, so when reading mythology, I always tend to see some things that line up with truth or how, like, I view the world. Um, So I was wondering if there was anything that you read that stuck or that struck you as being true. And I can go first if you need some time to think. Yep, yep, you can go first. (laughs) So... Yeah, so mine was in the description of Ragnarok, which is their, like, end times, like, prophecy, or, um, yeah, so, like, their end times view. What is the word? (coughs) Their, um... (laughs) It's a very easy word. Their apocalypse? Yeah, yeah. So, that wasn't the word, but that works. (laughs) Okay. So, their apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And I don't know if this is because, like, Snorri Sturluson changed some things about it to make it fit more with the biblical prophecies, um, or if it's because there's an actual mirroring there. But there's definitely the description of, like, the sun going out um, and that kind of thing, like, where just it's chaos. (laughs) Um, And then what I thought was more interesting, and I feel like this is probably actually in the original story, but after that, there's the creation of a new world or a new earth, and that's also the same in like the bible (laughs) so i thought that was really cool that that was the same it's the ragnarok's kind of sad in a way because pretty much like everyone except for i feel like a few people die yeah everyone dies (laughs) all the gods are like no it's it's kind of like bittersweet because even in like the modern version i keep saying that one because it's like i kept seeing that pairing with this book so well I was like Mm -hmm. this is literally where he got his ideas from for this book well that's good because this is like where you probably should get your ideas for that book pretty much the same right for most of these stories there was like a few that I'm like oh I don't really know where this one came from Mm -hmm. but even like details like the foot competition between um what's his face the god of the sea that I can't for some reason remember his name now he's Frey's father Mm -hmm. gosh dang it I can't remember his name but him, even, like, for, like, the giantess, like, for the competition, they, like, did a feet competition. Yeah. Whoever had the best feet won. That's <laughs> in that book, too. So I'm just, like, literally, this is the same thing. Yeah. But even in that, it was, like, sad because you have all these warriors going to Valhalla to train for Ragnarok. And, like, the sad thing about it is, like, yeah, it's, like, nice for the time being because you get to, like, be immortal for a time. But then, like, you die mm-hmm. at Ragnarok. And it's, like... I don't know it's kind of sad yeah yeah when they told that story in the book it was like and these people died and there was this huge list of all yeah. the big gods yeah. <laughs> I know that's sad <laughs> I'm trying to think 
Because throughout the whole thing, there was little bits of what I think are truths. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the creation story was not really what we think of, but kind of how it was structured is how we think of. But mm-hmm. I think that was Snorri's, like, how he structured it. Maybe. Is like a nod to the Bible. I don't really think that's the myth. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the creation story was very... Like, detailed. It was really detailed. It was kind of like, it was time's morning. There was nothing. Like, no sand, no sea, no cooling billows. Like, earth was not there, nor heaven above, which is a little bit, like... I thought that... Is that the prologue? Because that is Snorri Sturluson. It's chapter four, the creation of the world. So I don't think it's the prologue. Okay. Yeah. Because it just sounded like... No, it's not. It's in the fooling of... uh, Okay, then... Gif? Glyph? Glyph? Guilty. It's the first book. It's the first book. Um, so I guess it's not because it is in. I mean, he still edited it, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to tell because we don't have, like, a commentary for the prosata. <laughs> it is hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I think he puts tons of notes at the back, but he doesn't, like, say, like, this is me, this is them. So. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because obviously the Norse mythology, more or less as Annie already kind of talked about, it was an oral tradition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think originally it probably didn't have a Christianity basis, obviously, because it's pagan. Vikings and stuff who kind of made it up Mm -hmm. and they're super pagan. And (laughs) super pagan. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they were doing fun stuff like burning their chief clans with like their, you know, whores essentially. So that they would have them in the afterlife. It's, it's. Yeah. I was just thinking. Anyway, it sounded like, like the next Marvel character, super pagan. Yeah, <laughs> super pagan. Um, and, uh, I feel like maybe, like you said, Annie, maybe he was mm-hmm. trying to relate it to Christianity, in the day when he wrote it. Yeah. Um, to try to make it more acceptable. Yeah, and yeah. that's what he was doing, but. Mm-hmm. I think he mainly does that through, like, the notes at the end of each, of each, like, chapter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know how much of the actual content is um, different from the oral tradition. I feel like it'd be hard to tell, too, like, it, if you're just dealing with oral tradition, like, what Snorri was doing, how it sounded like he was collecting mm-hmm. all of these, like, maybe traveling around, like, trying to get all the stories and stuff like that, and, like, some things will get lost in translation, or right. some things you'll have to be, like, I totally forget how they structured this, but I have the notes, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> maybe put it in, but that's just all speculation. Yeah. There's so many different truths, and it's hard to pick and choose one, especially because I feel like the one that I was really thinking was good I ended up using as my theme. <laughs> But, um, um, I think they frowned upon war to an extent, Mm -hmm. maybe, because the Acer and the Veneer, um, they were at war for a while and then, like, saw it was bad and so they, you know tried to do something mm-hmm. to fix it so they like switched had a switcheroo and traded like two gods <laughs> yeah so that you know <laughs> they'd be less likely to kill each other mm-hmm. um so they believe in compromise and that's a good thing mm-hmm. i mean there's like so many different things um 
like even in the Thor story I said earlier, like not, you know, blindly believing something necessarily. Like you have to have, you have to like think things through. Sometimes you can't just like take people for their word necessarily all the time, especially when it's a group of giants who's clearly trying to deceive <laughs> you. Um, and you would have thought he would have figured that out the night before when he was like conking this guy on the head repeatedly and like nothing was happening. Um, anyway, but I don't know. What do you? Well, I feel like another truth is just how like they see like the sins of the world mm-hmm. because in like the Ragnarok park, it's like sensual sins grow huge, like sword ages, like shields are everywhere. It's like the earth has fallen is what it says. The world falls dead. Where it's like they understand. It's like hard is the world. <laughs> yes. Or it's kind of like the people who are making this myth. Maybe they were doing it to like elevate something above like the hard life they were mm-hmm. living. Well, my question is more of a fun one. <laughs> if you were a Norse god, this is very abstract, obviously. Uh, what would you want to have power over? Hmm, I think I would want to be able to make animals sing and have music. <laughs> yeah. Can I just choose a god who I would want yes. to be? Because I feel like that's too hard to decide. I'd say I would want to be Freya or I would want to be Siv. <laughs> I like Freya. But I'm unoriginal. <laughs> So I guess it's more like, who is your favorite person? Because it's not like, we want to be God. <laughs> don't think that. I mean, I don't... Hmm. I'm having a really hard time with this. But I'm also a very, like, indecisive person. Can I just say everything? I feel like, surprisingly, out of all the female gods, Frigg probably has, like, the best shoulder on her head. Mm-hmm. Head, uh, head on her shoulder. Well, <laughs> shoulder on her head. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously a little tired still. Um... The other two, they're, like, what you expect of, like, you know, vain and, like, frivolous females. But they also have, like, good qualities to them, too. So I feel like a lot of the female characters, you don't look at them and you're like, oh, my gosh, brave warrior. I feel like that's not how the Norse saw some of their female gods, deities, anyway. I mean, that makes sense because, like, women in ancient cultures weren't the ones who, like, went off and fought or, like, were hunters or anything. Well, it's just interesting because they have Valkyries, Mm -hmm. which, like, are, to an extent, warriors. Hmm. Can I just say I would like to be, like, the god over everything? You can be Odin. Isn't he the all-god or something? (laughs) The all, the, father. All, the all father. I can be him. That would be cool. I don't know. Odin's had a hard <laughs> life, though. Yeah, but... He, like, had to learn, like, the rune language, magic and stuff, and, like, yeah. plucked out his eye and, like, had to, like, hang from the world tree for, like, a month yeah. or something. He's tough. It's I don't fine. know. What's a month? Seems like I a hard life. I would handle it if I was Odin. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Freya or Siv, mainly because Freya can cry gold. And um, it's, like, the most beautiful woman in the nine worlds. Did you guys notice that kept coming up with different people? 
like they kept saying like oh and she is the most beautiful person and i'm like wait wasn't the person three pages ago the most beautiful person <laughs> most beautiful god oh most beautiful this god most beautiful yeah. giant this is the most beautiful oh yeah because she was the most beautiful maiden so i think that's right that it's like yeah. god the maiden but i was just like how can they is this like snow white like they're all like, killing <laughs> each other trying to like become the fairest maiden of them all they're like all just the most beautiful <laughs> but at the same time if Siv was married to someone who looked like Chris Hemsworth, then I mean, she's got it good. No. Not gonna say that. <laughs> Man, what about you, Susie? Uh, well, yeah. I didn't. I don't have like a specific like god that I really wanted to be. I was just like, where are the gods of music? What the heck? <laughs> So I would insert myself. I mean, they had the the whole explanation of poetry. Yeah. Yeah. You can be the Bragi. Brog. Bragi. Yeah. Well, he seemed to have all the knowledge. He's a guy, but answering yeah. all it's the okay. questions. It's okay. I'm Odin, so. Yeah. So I'll have all the knowledge and poetry. Yeah. Creative. Perfect. Or if you're a big nature person, phrase the god of like summer and nature yeah. and stuff. Do you think it was funny when they were explaining the? reasons why they were like summer and winter mm-hmm. and or like day oh. and night i liked that explanation oh that was, was cool like the, like, all the horses yeah. and everything i think it was cool and there was that one part where they were like how can you not know how are you so ignorant yeah. but then the explanation was like what like how would like, anybody well, summer was sweet and mild and then winter had an icy breath and i'm like i don't understand <laughs> Yeah, totally. I I feel like I also think the whole Loki's children are interesting. Not the, the ones the that giant. are killed to you know become his chains. The the mm-hmm. um, the wolf. Oh, the story where um, what is it? Tear is that how is that his name? When he lost his hand, so he stuck it in the mouth of the wolf. <laughs> And everybody laughed except... It said everyone laughed except for Tyr, who lost his hand. That's another example of Annie's... What you were saying earlier about them, like, nature and, like, animals mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Because this wolf was very intelligent. Mm-hmm. It's basically a person. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Just a giant wolf. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then Hell. The goddess of, like, death mm-hmm. and dishonorable dead essentially because there's three afterlives there's Helheim um there's Folkvanger and there's Valhalla isn't Gimli something to do with the afterlife I thought it was heaven I don't know I just know Valhalla's where the just so that's where the honored dead who die in combat or doing something brave mm-hmm. and courageous, go um, if they're like Acer related or if Odin, so Odin and Freya get half. So Odin's chosen go to Valhalla and Freya's go to Folkvanger. Yep. Hmm. Which, yeah. And then, oh man, there's just so many things that are like just so. Basically, what I'm saying is you guys should read this book or any modern version because it's like really fun and entertaining and there's just so many stories mm-hmm. that you're like man how did you come up with this For yeah real, you're like that's the like, most wild explanation ever and i love like it like the boat of nails <laughs> for ragnarok that 
Loki and his troops will float on to battle. It's like a boat made out of men's nails, mm-hmm. like their fingernails and their toenails. It's a wild ride of a book. It's just, it's just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another question if we have time. Ooh, sure. So mine was, how does your view of Norse mythology change when comparing it to modern interpretation? So obviously probably most of us have seen, you know, like the Marvel movies, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So like, how did your expectation change versus like the reality of like what more, the mytholo- mythology actually looks like? Well, I think you so. touched on it a little bit, but how it's kind of like in today, it seems more idealized. Like they're these perfect people, not perfect, but like, they're superheroes. They're untouchable. Yeah, yeah, they're untouchable. They are elevated above everybody else. And we are talking about their view of God. So that does make sense. But in this like ancient telling of the mythology, it's just much more realistic is not the right word because it's not. But like grounded. Like they are not invincible as much as modern mythology is. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily expecting that because of how it is portrayed today. I was more thinking of it, like going into it, thinking about it being more like an invincible context. Um, but I just think it's really interesting like how they are portrayed. Hmm. Yeah. I think for me, it was more the opposite. Um, so going into it, I kind of just dismissed like all of Marvel um, as being I probably <laughs> not true. Um but I was more surprised at how much, I guess, the superheroes kind of captured the spirit of the two mythological, they're not creatures, um, people, <laughs> gods. Um, I mean, obviously there are some major differences, but I had a very hard time not picturing the Marvel characters, which probably says something about Marvel. <laughs> Oh, um, I definitely pictured them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it was very hard for me to turn that off once I started reading it, and I didn't really expect myself to do that going into it. I think they are, like, epic legends and stories that do invoke a lot of, like, imagery mm-hmm. and emotions, like, mm-hmm. woven through the tales. And I think since we have something to tie it to now, it also, like, invokes this weird nostalgia where, mm-hmm. like, we're like, oh, look, look at our favorite characters. <laughs> when, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, like the favorite parts. I was like, oh, look, Odin. Yeah. And probably like Thor. even more so for Shannon since you read that whole series that had like all of them. Yeah, it definitely is. That's interesting that you say that, Annie. I, I found myself wanting to see how it compared, but not necessarily like, you know, going into it thinking of the characters like that just because kind of what you said like wanting to go in with Mm -hmm. like an open mind and also because like I've kind of seen different interpretations at this point so it's I have like different versions of them in my mind now Mm -hmm. um but I was curious what you guys thought of if you were surprised by so you kind of briefly talked about you know Loki's like crazy children like the world serpent (laughs) the wolf and hell so if you were surprised by the fact that he was the father of Hell and not how Marvel has portrayed it being Odin was the father of Hell. 
it didn't necessarily surprise me because pretty soon into the book, I realized that like, while they are trying to follow, like Marvel's trying to follow the characters, they aren't really. It's mostly just like, it reminds me like when you're trying to form a character in when you're acting, where it's like, try to think of three words that really describes them. It think it feels like the writers of Marvel like came up with those three words and then just like went with it. Didn't necessarily like so yeah, it was a whole like the essence yeah. thing. They like captured their being, but not necessarily their actions. But it honestly does make sense that Loki is the father of hell. Mm-hmm. Because while Odin like is the all father of everything, it's like everything can't come from this like one person and Loki does seem like the best candidate yeah. to yeah have that be the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't say that I was really yeah. surprised either. But again, like, how Susie approached the book is basically, like, the opposite of what happened with me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. whatever similarities I found, it was more, like, just by chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think I approached the book from the way of, yeah, where it's like, oh, it's looking for the Marvel characters like halfway then the other half is kind of just like I have no idea what's going on (laughs) like Mm -hmm. let's just try to wrap my head around the story in any Mm -hmm. way possible type deal (laughs) I think for me I felt like oh wow I've seen this story before oh wow I've seen this story before and it didn't really it was fine up until like the end when they started talking about those two different kingdoms and like this guy's killing this guy, and this guy stole yeah, this daughter. I was, about to I was ask, like, what is going on? I don't know what this is. Yeah, I was about to ask what you thought about the section about all the kings. I because didn't... I bet that is more <laughs> grounded in reality Probably, than all the yeah. myths are. Um, I thought that was really cool that they like had both history and mythology combined like that. I had no idea. I was like, so I got it when they were talking about Anvarius ring, because that's definitely a story that's, like, if you take the ring, then... And, like, the Weir Gold, so that Weir Guild... They didn't really talk about Weir Guild, but the thing, like, they had to cover up the pouch, like, that's totally the same, like... And then they started talking about, like, this guy stole this guy's daughter, and then they were at war, and, like, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Who are these people? <laughs> why are they important? Yeah. They're not gods, that's why. Exactly. Yeah. It is kind of a testament of, like, the prose Ada that anybody with any Mm -hmm. experience with mythology, um, from, like, Shannon to me, (laughs) like, can (laughs) um, at least somewhat, like, understand it and follow it and, like, find, get stuff out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very accessible book in that regard. Um. Do you want to talk about ratings then, since we're talking about the book in general? I can go first. So, I am giving this book... Oh, first of all, editions. Oh, right, Before right. Before I forget. <laughs> so, I read just the edition that was on Project Gutenberg. And the good thing about reading super old books is that they're all public domain. So, they're all on the internet for free, which is awesome. Um, so, I don't know exactly which edition that is, but it's the only one that's on Project Gutenberg. So, yeah. And I'm giving it four stars because I just think it's a very well-done book. And it's, I don't know, just knowing that people still read it today for information about Norse mythology, that just shows how 
effective that book was at its purpose of making Norse mythology more acceptable in like medieval Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I think I might be the only person who wrote or read an actual hard copy of it. Is that mm-hmm. accurate, mm-hmm. Susie? That's yeah. true. That is accurate. Did you also do Gutenberg? Mm-hmm. Um, so mine is a Penguin Classics version, and copyright is 2005. Um, so yeah, this is like pretty much the only one I could actually find online, either to purchase or on the library that was available. So I got mine mm-hmm. from the library because I, I, I'm, I like a hard copy of books and... Um, it's like nice that I can like, you know, flip through pages, put a bookmark in. I don't know. There's just something about holding a physical copy that just makes me happy. Um, so yeah, that's the one I read. What rating did you give it? Oh, should I get my rating? <laughs> right. I forgot about that. Um, I actually, um, and not because Annie said this, but I was actually also going to give it a four star because I think I enjoyed it a lot because... I really like this world, mainly because of my experience in the past of reading different books about it, but I really, like, enjoy the characters, I enjoy being in this, like, magical realm, and I just, like, kept, it was almost, like, reminiscing for me, it was, like, reading the stories, I was, like, brought back to how the stories had, you know, affected me the first time I kind of read them before, and getting to see even like new stories that I haven't heard before was like really cool and I just really enjoyed it overall um so four star for me Mm -hmm. and I'll I will link that series in the description so if you have not heard of the series that Shannon is talking about and want to check it out it'll be there I read the exact same edition as Annie the project Gutenberg one um which is cool yay public domain I want to give it like a 3.5 almost a four um it didn't have as much of like the reminiscent feeling as like shannon and maybe like annie had a little bit of um so i was going into it almost with like a fairly fresh no strings attached mind except for marvel um and i did really like it i i'm happy i read it 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 kind of gives you like a look into the ancient world and how people thought and even how people lived because you can learn a lot about society through their mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, what they think is important. Yeah, exactly. And I really like history and I love stories. So it's kind of a really good marriage of the two. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like it was like in my mind, like one of my favorite or like an amazing book. Um, but I think that it has a ton of merit and that really like everyone should read it because it gives you such a cool context of things that come up even to this day. And I think will continue to come up because people are so fascinated with uh, mythology and yeah. antiquity. Props to, to mm-hmm. our good old man Snorri. Snorri. <laughs> because he kind of like, what is his name? Snorri. No, I was just... Yeah, sorry. It's fun to say. Because he, it's like he did something that I think we all kind of strive to do, where he saw a problem. He saw how inaccessible Norse mythology Mm -hmm. is to an English reader. And how it was kind of dying out, too. Yes. He he saw a problem and he created a solution. 
and a really well thought out, well researched, tons of footnotes and vocabulary and trying to make it um, kind of exciting for like an English reader to dive into and take hold of. And I think it's just a really good like testament to his work that yeah, it was written in the 13th century, like the end of the medieval age and we're reading it today. Also would like to point out that several authors uh, in like that are, you know, acclaimed, critically acclaimed in today's society have used Norwegian mythology as their influence for their books. Kind of mentioned that briefly earlier, but like mm-hmm. even Tolkien, like that was, you know, his big mm-hmm. inspiration for mythology and like his writing. And you can kind of see that yeah. if you read his books with the dwarves and the elves and even some of the names. <laughs> Yeah, it Midgard. Yep. Midgard literally means mm-hmm. Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see yeah. that, and it's pretty cool. Um, so recommend it. Shannon, do you want to yeah. intro the next book? So next month, uh, a.k.a. December. <laughs> a.k.a. this month. <laughs> this month. <laughs> we are, we are reading one. The Deal of a Lifetime. <laughs> And this book is by Frederick mm-hmm. Bachman. So we're staying in the Scandinavian region. But also, region. like, well, leaving our, like, circle of classics. Leaving, yeah. Yeah, leaving the classics mm-hmm. for a more contemporary kind of, like, human piece? Human condition piece, I guess you would... Was that, is that how you would characterize this book, Annie? I don't know how to else I don't know. I would just say book. literary fiction, but... yeah. Um, but they're deeper just, than yeah. some. All are. of his stories kind of just like focus on people and their lives and like the messy parts, the good parts, the whole yeah. thing. Different aspects of humanity. Mm-hmm. And so um, this book I was interested in because it has a Christmas tree on the front cover. <laughs> um, and I don't think it's like quote unquote necessarily going to be super Christmassy, but it does take place on the night before Christmas, so Christmas Eve. Mm. So it is Christmassy to an extent, but um, I don't think it's going to be like your typical Christmas story, which like, you know, like whatever um, carol, what is it called again? The Christmas carol? Yeah, duh. That Uh-oh. like, I don't think it's going to be like that kind of a story. I think it's going to be more about people and what's going on during yeah. Christmas it's Eve. It's not going that. to be festive. It's just going yeah. to be set mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm excited. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on the Prosata by Snorri Sturluson. Now let me prose a question to you. Will you read this book? Don't forget to check out the episode description for our Goodreads accounts, links to our drinks, and more. Please subscribe to the Reading Minds podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Until our next episode, stay tuned for a short outtake that might show you a little more what our December Book Club episode might look like. Bye, friends. And, oh, isn't there a chance that it might be a live recording? Potentially. Potentially, we could be all in the same room recording this, which could be sort of disastrous but also very fun so mm-hmm. stay tuned <laughs> yep stay tuned i think it'd be fun yeah disastrously fun disastrously, disastrously fun <laughs> all right so i think
think that's all we have for today. 